what's going on everyone uh this is episode number 44 of not what it seems um so to start off let's get into uh some cba negotiation updates which there aren't many of at the moment um <coughs> excuse me spring training is supposed to start next week and it doesn't look like that's going to happen at this point um last talks were that they needed a mediator to come in and kind of try to even things out with both sides, I believe. And now I don't even think that's going to happen anymore. Um, I've heard that apparently the owners have a meeting today with themselves uh, to kind of talk things over. Um, you know, I, what, what you've been hearing is a lot of the, the two major issues are uh, they want younger players to be able to get paid earlier. So they want uh, less years of arbitration, less years of, um, of team control, which the players, younger players have probably earned the right for players like Juan Soto should probably be getting paid more. Um, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr. took the team friendly contract, but he could have definitely been making more money. Guys like that, uh, you know, they, they should really be making more money. They're not making much, especially when they play in the minors to come to the major league level, you should be able to get paid right away. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really look like either side's budging. Unfortunately, that pretty much seals the deal that spring training won't start on time, barring any unforeseen circumstances coming this week. <laughs> but um, we will have to wait and see. So uh, we got to hope for the best there. Hopefully we could at least maybe get spring training going by March. That may, maybe the regular season will start on time. Um, who knows? I, I know that both sides do want to get the games in. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, just sit back and kind of think about how this affects certain players, um, whether it's certain veteran players who honestly may not get to play again. Once this lockout's over, teams might not be looking that route. They might just be going with younger guys because you got to remember, too, guys that aren't technically on the 40-man roster can be at the spring training complex and be with the team right now. This is really just with the Major League Players Association, not with the minor league one. So uh, teams right now, like I know I'm a Yankees fan, um, Anthony Volpe and a few of our other younger prospects are at the spring training complex in Tampa right now. Um, being able to work out with the team and use the facilities and all the stuff that the major league level guys should be able to do. And, um, you know, that could be a, a reason for them to go with a younger guy rather than sign somebody else. Uh, obviously with the Yankees, I hope we do sign a guy like Trevor story, something like that, but uh, you got my point here. Um, so we're going to have to just sit back and wait and see how this plays out. Um, I know you know the players want to play, so uh, that's one thing good we got going for us. Um, so moving on to a little bit of a not really surprising announcement, but um, Adrian Gonzalez has announced his retirement after 15 seasons. Um, obviously, most people remember him from his years with the Dodgers um, and the Padres, but his career kind of bounced around a little bit. He first had two years with Texas, then he had five years with San Diego, um, then he had one and a half years with Boston halfway through, got traded to LA, um, was there for five and a half seasons. Then his last season, uh, he played with the Mets. Um, so his career stats, he had a 287 batting average over 300 homers, 317 bombs, um, 1,200 RBIs, 843 OPS. Um, so, you know, 
for a first baseman, those are pretty good numbers. He's average over 162, uh, same batting average, 27 homers, 101 RBIs, and the 843 OPS. So, um, you know, for a left-handed hitting first baseman, um, he was pretty much the perfect first baseman that fit in L.A. I don't remember him as much with San Diego. He was pretty young back then. Uh, but, you know, you remember he was part of that um, big trade with uh, Carl Crawford and a bunch of other guys were involved with the Dodgers uh, Red Sox trade. Um, and he, he played really well for the Dodgers, um, you know, for, for a first baseman, OPS over 800, over 100 RBIs, um, over 25 home runs. That's pretty consistent. That's pretty much what you want out of a guy like that, especially when the Dodgers had players back then, like Yasiel Puig, Andre Ethier, Matt Kemp, um, Carl Crawford, uh, you know, they, they had a lot of guys who Justin Turner was there, uh, kind of, he complimented them really well. I believe he usually hit fourth in the lineup. Um, that's why his RBI totals were where they were, but he knew how to drive in runs. So the guy was, uh, he was a machine out there. Um, so postseason stats, uh, he only had four games with the Padres in the playoffs, and then he had 30 games with the Dodgers. Obviously, they were in the playoffs pretty much every season he was in L.A., um, so batting average 266, uh, he had seven home runs, 21 RBIs, 782 OPS in the postseason. Uh, obviously he never got that world series championship with LA. I bet he wishes he would have got that. Um, but man, he, he played really well in the playoffs too. I mean, really consistent in the playoffs. Um, and if you just look at his, his career stats, uh, career, like I guess like awards, accolades, stuff like that. Um, so he was a four-time gold glover at first, so he really knew how to pick it out there. Um, I didn't realize that. He, he was really good defensively. Um, he was a two-time silver slugger. Uh, he was an all-star five times. Um, he finished in the top 20 MVP voting eight times. So 20, eh, nothing really that big, but uh, he finished fourth in MVP voting in 2010. And he finished seventh in 2011 and in 2014. So um, you can tell he was really a big part of the teams he was on, whether it was the Padres, the Dodgers. Uh, obviously, the Boston Red Sox never made the World Series or the playoffs with him. But he had a really great season. I believe his first season there was one of his best seasons of his career. Um, so that was kind of in the middle of like the Red Sox going through a little bit of a rebuild, I think. That was when they shipped the guys out to L.A., um so yeah adrian gonzalez he was a guy back in the day i always tried to draft in my fantasy team um because you just knew you were going to get consistent numbers uh he would probably play about 140 to 150 games per season barring any unforeseen uh you know tragic injuries or anything um so yeah he was a stud man um he was a lot better than people remember at least consistency wise um but again like i said those numbers over a full season i would take those numbers from from a first baseman left-handed hitting first baseman any day um you know he was never really going to hit like 40 homers and drive in 120 but uh these are pretty solid numbers and um all the career i think he's 39 years old i believe the last time he played was in 2018 so we kind of knew this was coming. Um, it may have been 2019. I don't really remember, but um, regardless, no one was really going to sign him anymore. Um, his last season with the Mets wasn't particularly good. Uh, so, but hey, uh, hell of a career for him. Um, 
and you know enjoy retirement you don't have to worry about this cva stuff just kind of chill out with your family at home do whatever you're gonna do and um great career by adrian gonzalez all right so um moving on um <clears throat> kind of gonna bounce into a little bit of a deep dive here um <clears throat> so i'm gonna give you like a top 10 list of current MLB players who I think are going to be hall of famers or who have like the best chance to be hall of famers. Um, so I'm going in the order of like least likely uh, to like most likely. So, um, you know, guys who are pretty much a lock to be in the hall of fame right now are going to be at the bottom of my list. Like I'm going from, let's say I'm giving you 10, I'm going from 10 to one. So um and I'm also not counting players who are currently free agents that could potentially be Hall of Famers and may not come back in 2022, like veterans, like such as Albert Pujols. Like he's a Hall of Famer, but he's not on my list because we don't really know if he's a current player anymore. Um, I would hope he's going to come back. Obviously, you know, Cardinals, him, Yachty, Wainwright for one last ride. That would be really great. But um, we don't know what's going to happen with that. So, um. I'm going to start off here, <clears throat> excuse me, with, um, so number 10, I got Jose Altuve. Um, we all know uh, we love Jose Altuve. <laughs> um, nah, all joking aside, regardless of the cheating scandal, regardless of anything like that, um, Altuve has had a great career. There's, there's really no arguing that. Um, and again, this is the Hall of Fame. Um, we've kind of talked about, how uh i feel about the hall of fame guys even if you took steroids you should be in the hall of fame because it's not the museum of great personalities it's a great museum of baseball stats <clears throat> and um jose altuve has some pretty darn good baseball stats um so right now he's 31 he's going to be entering his 12th mlb season this year um and his career stat line he's got a batting average above 300 uh he's got an ops above 800 he also has over 250 stolen bases um right now he has 1777 hits so if you do the math he's pretty much on pace to get over 3000 hits um if he stays healthy um you know he's led the league in hits twice um he was a three-time American League batting champion, um, seven-time All-Star, two-time stolen base champ. Um, I mean, he was a silver slugger five times. He also won one gold glove. When you think of Altuve, you don't necessarily think of a good defender. I think that may have been in 2015 when he got the gold glove, like that first year that they kind of took the hump over the rebuild. Um, he also won the MVP in 2017. Um, a lot of people argue that it should have gone to Aaron Judge, uh, including myself, but that's kind of not the point now. He does have the MVP in his in his belt now, so um, that's another thing he has. Like I said, he won the World Series in 2017 with the Astros. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think if you get to 3,000 hits, you got to be a lock. I, I know people don't really talk about batting average, stuff like that anymore, um, <clears throat> but if you get to 3000, I think you should be in. Um, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be some controversy about the Astros cheating scandal because are you going to let these guys in? If you're the baseball writers, but you didn't let in steroid guys just because of their character. Um, so that's really going to be an interesting case. Obviously, Carlos Beltran is going to be on the ballot way before anybody else is from that team. Um, 
I believe maybe even next year or the year after, because he retired in 2017. Yeah, so I think next year he's going to be on a ballot. Um, that's going to be a pretty interesting case because obviously Beltran had a fantastic career, um, but our guy's going to look at that and say, well, he shouldn't be in because of that. Um, you know, Pete Rose technically isn't in either, even though he should be for a totally different reason than steroids. So it's going to be interesting, but I think, I think Altuve will probably be a hall of famer. Uh, if he, if he stays on pace like this, he, he should be. So going with Altuve at number 10, um, number nine, I'm going with my guy, Giancarlo Stanton on the Yankees. Um, so Stanton is 31 years old too, um, but he's entering his 13th MLB season. So he got into the league about a year before Altuve did. Um, so Stanton, um, his career stat line, um, 268 batting average, uh, 347 homers. So the home runs are pr probably what I think is going to get him in. Um, he had a career OPS over 900. He's got a 901 career OPS, um, 893 RBIs. So he drives in a ton of runs too. Um, <clears throat> so like I said, he's currently at 347. Let's say Stanton plays through, I believe his contract is through his age 41 or 42 season. So um, let's say Stanton plays through when he's like 40. So we won't give him those last two seasons <clears throat> on the field. Maybe he will, because he's probably going to be a complete DH at that point. Um, I don't really think there's much arguing when he's 39 years old. He's going to be playing the outfield, but who knows? Um, so he's currently on pace to have at least 500. He's got a chance for 600 if he stays healthy. Um, you know, I mean, if he has a few monster seasons like he did during his MVP season, then you're point in numbers at 700 but he's 31 years old so he probably will not be getting too much more seasons where he's getting close to a full season in but um you obviously hope for that because uh especially if you're a Yankees fan like myself um but yeah Stanton led the National League in home runs twice um he led the NL and RBIs once um he's a four-time all-star um Two-time Silver Slugger. Also, Stanton has that one MVP from 2017. Um, you know, I think when you look at the Hall of Fame, um, guys that get MVP votes during at least one season, I feel like that's kind of a big deal for me because it means that they really uh, were the best player in their entire league for an entire season. And I know it's just one year. There are plenty of guys who have one MVP who won't be Hall of Famers, but um, I just think it's kind of an extra – uh, thing for them to say like well I was the MVP of the league this year um, you know the biggest thing for me with Stanton is just if, if he stays healthy if he hits I, I would say if he gets to 600 um, so he's basically at 350 right now so that's 250 more homers um, you know if he plays another nine seasons I would say that's extremely doable if he stays healthy um, always a big if with Stanton obviously it's always a big if with him uh and judge on the Yankees but they both played pretty much entire season last year and look at how good they did um talked a little bit about it last week how the Yankees should have probably been worse these two guys were definitely not the problem so uh, moving on number eight um I'm gonna go with Nolan Arenado so Arenado is a year younger than these guys he's 30 and he's entering his 10th MLB season 
Um, so, you know, he's had a 288 batting average, 269 homers, 880 OPS, um, 865 RBIs. So the dude, he drives in runs. Um, and again, a lot of people are going to say, well, Colorado kind of helped him out, which he didn't have really have a choice. Okay. Um, when he signed those two years extra in Colorado before he got traded over to St. Louis, then he had a choice. Sure. But when he didn't have a choice being drafted there, it wasn't his decision. Um, he's currently at 269 homers. He's age 30. So he's probably going to play through his age 40 season. Um, he's definitely, I would say he's definitely got a pretty good shot at 500 home runs. Um, if anything, he'll probably be between 450 and 550. But, um, you know, if he has a couple more monster seasons over there in St. Louis, he could easily get to um, 600. Uh, he's a home run champion in the National League three times. Again, Colorado. But um, I personally don't care about that because he did it anyway. So uh, he was two-time RBI champ in the whole league, um, three-time Silver Slugger, nine-time Gold Gloves. So he's won a gold glove every single season that he's been in the league. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous. If you really look at his defense, he was probably, in my opinion, he's the best third baseman that I've ever seen. Uh, he could easily probably, once he finishes, be the best third baseman defensively of all time. Um, he also has, I think, one platinum glove. He may even have more than that. Platinum glove is when you are the best defender in the entire uh, league. So I think he's got at least one of those. Um, he also has five top eight MVP finishes. Um, he finished third in 2018. Um, so that was pretty close for a Rockies player to get third in the MVP voting. Um, he's a six-time all-star and he averages more games played than Altuve and Stanton. Uh, he averages about 150 games. Those guys have gotten the injury bug a little bit recently. So he only misses about 13 games per season. So um, the guy stays on the field. Uh, that's pretty tough to do uh, playing at the altitude in Colorado. And now he's obviously in St. Louis would be a lot easier to stay healthy, but he didn't really have that issue to begin with. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Arnado is number eight for me. I think he's definitely got a shot at 500 homers, probably less likely at 600, but um, definitely a possibility. So moving on to number seven, um, I'm going to go with Freddie Freeman. Um, I think Freddie Freeman will definitely be in the Hall of Fame. Um, he's age 31. He's entering his 13th MLB season. Um, career, 295, 295 batting average, not 295 homers, uh, 271 homers. He's got 941 RBIs. So, you know, way more RBIs than anybody that I've said on the list so far. Career, 893 OPS. Um he currently has 1,704 hits, so a little bit less than Altuve, um, but not much. So I think Freddie Freeman can easily get to 3,000 hits if he stays healthy. Um, who knows, too, if there's going to be a universal DH or if he's going to end up signing with an American League team because, you know, the Braves really weren't putting the pedal down to try to get him before the lockout started. Um, but if he goes to an American league team or if there's a universal DH, um, he'll get more games in because he's not used to, once he gets older, he may not be able to play first every single day. So he may have to start to DH a little bit. Um, he led the national league in hits once. Um, 
he was a three-time silver slugger, one-time gold glove. Freeman is another guy who finally got that uh, elusive MVP in 2020. Um, yeah, it was a shortened season, but I don't think that should be uh, a detriment to him. He did what he did. Uh, he had a fantastic 60 games, played great in the playoffs. Not that that had to do with the MVP, but um, Freeman was also a 2021 World Series champion. Obviously, he just won the World Series with the Braves, uh, five-time All-Star. He averages 150 games played per season, so him and Arnado play about the same every year. Um, I also think a big deal when you talk about the Hall of Fame is guys winning a World Series with the team uh, and, like, being a key reason why they won the World Series. Um, you know, Freddie Freeman was a really, really big reason why the Braves won the World Series this past season. Obviously, Jorge Soler was the one that got the uh, the World Series MVP, but um, without Freddie, the Braves definitely would not have won this year, especially after losing Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, in early July, right before the All-Star break. Uh, so, Freddie Freeman, I think he'll definitely get to 3,000 hits. He's also potentially got the opportunity to get to 500, 600 homers uh, if he keeps this up. Um, and his batting average is going to be close to 300 by the time he, he retires. So uh, I think Freddie will probably play at least till he's 40, maybe even longer. He's one of the purest hitters in our league right now. Um, so, yeah, Freddie Freeman is number seven for me. Going on to number six, um, I'm going with a guy in Freddie's division who's been in his division pretty much his whole career, actually, switched teams once. But um, number six, um, going with Bryce Harper. So Bryce Harper is 28 years old, so uh, younger than every guy I've said so far, and he's entering his 11th MLB season. So he's younger than Nolan Arenado, and he's already played more seasons. Uh, obviously, I think Bryce came up – when he was eight, 18 or 19, he was very young. Um, so his career, he's got uh, 267 home runs, 279 batting average. He's got an OPS of 916. So that's the highest OPS of anybody so far. Uh, a little bit above Stanton. Um, so if Bryce stays healthy, he could probably get to 3,000 hits. Um, and he could also probably, like these other guys, get between 500 and 600 homers, if not more than that. Um, obviously, with Bryce Harper, too, it's almost like the Stanton situation where he does get hurt kind of with, like, freak injuries every once in a while. Um, but he has been relatively healthy, <coughs> excuse me, ever since he signed with the Phillies. Um most of his injuries have come with the Nationals. So uh, he's been pretty solid with the Phillies so far. Um, obviously, he hasn't brought the Phillies to the playoffs yet. He's got some playoff experience with the Nationals, but um, he led the National League in home runs once. Um, he was the 2012 National League Rookie of the Year. I think that's also a pretty cool award for somebody to get uh, in the Hall of Fame talks because that means they were good ever since they started to come up. So... Uh, Bryce was also a two-time Silver Slugger. Um, he was a six-time All-Star. And he's also won two MVPs. So also, they were with two different teams. So I think that's very interesting. Um, if you've brought – if you've been, like, the best player in the league on two different teams at two very different points in your career, I think that's uh, really interesting because I believe the last time he won the MVP was in 2015 with the Nats. Then he won this past season with the Phillies. So – um, Bryce really wants the Phillies to get in the playoffs. I, I feel that if the Phillies do get in the playoffs anytime soon, Bryce is probably going to go off, uh, in my opinion, but, um, you know, regardless of that, 
I think that his career stats on the field speak for themselves. Um, he's again, he's 28 years old. So he's not like these other guys. He's arguably going to have 12 more seasons after this. Um, you don't think in 12 more seasons, Bryce Harper can go from 267 homers to over 600. Um, it's kind of a stretch over 500, I think is way in the realm of possibility there. Um, plus he could definitely get to 3000 hits. I don't know exactly how many hits he's at, but, um, he's 28 and he, you know, he's got a good amount of hits so far, obviously. So, um, he averages 136 games played. So he's got to stay healthy. He's got to probably average a little bit more games played than that to, to get to some of these milestones. But, um, yeah, Bryce, I think is pretty easily a hall of famer. Um, I would say if he does get in, he'll probably go in with the Phillies uh, unless some point he gets traded or something. I do think he has a no trade clause. He'll end up having played more games with the Phillies than the nationals at that point too. So we'll have to wait and see. <clears throat> so number five, uh, I got Mike Trout. So obviously everybody believes that Mike Trout's going to be a hall of famer. Um, Mike Trout is 29 years old. He's entering his 12th season. <clears throat> so he's played one more year than Bryce. <clears throat> um, so over his career, 305 batting average, 310 homers, 816 RBIs. He's got an OPS of 1.002 and 203 stolen bases. Um, if he stays healthy, he's on pace for 3,000 hits, easily on pace for 600 homers, if not more than that. Um, but <clears throat> when you look at Mike Trout, a big <clears throat> what if for him has been his health recently. Um so right now his average games played per season is 133. And I bet like three or four years ago, that was probably closer to at least 150. <clears throat> He's gotten hurt a lot over the past few years. Um, but if you look at the career over him, um, he's led MLB and runs scored four times. Um, he's led the American league in RBIs once he led MLB in stolen bases once um, he led MLB in OPS three times. Uh, he was also the 2012 AL Rookie of the Year. So him and Bryce were Rookie of the Year at the same time uh, for both leagues. Um, he was a Silver Slugger eight times, um, nine-time All-Star. <clears throat> he was a three-time MVP award winner. And he still probably could get more if he stays healthy and plays the way that we know Mike Trout could play. Um, three MVPs, probably going to get to 600 homers and 3000 hits. That's, that's a lock. That's about as lock as it could be. The only reason he's this low on my list is because he's younger and you don't know what could happen for the rest of his career. There are some guys that are a little bit older that are probably way more surefire hall of famers than him at this point, but I don't see a world where he doesn't get into the hall of fame. I think even if he has mediocre numbers for his next 11 seasons or so, um, he's probably the best player of this entire generation barring any injuries. So Mike Trout is at number five for me. Now, moving on to these last four guys. Um, these guys are pretty much locks to be Hall of Famers, no matter what happens in the rest of their career. Um, it's pretty much um, like they're just playing and they're racking up the counting stats here uh, to really get in, I think. Um, so number four, uh, I got Clayton Kershaw been with the Dodgers his whole career he's age 33 obviously um he is technically a free agent right now however I don't think that there's really a world where he doesn't come back next year whether it's to the Dodgers whether it's to some other team um you know I don't see a world where he retires he's only 33 years old I know he's played 15 seasons but 
I think he's going to keep wanting to get another World Series title. Um, so over his career, he's got a 2.49 ERA. He's got a whip of 1.004, pretty astronomically low. Um, he's got over 2,600 strikeouts, so he'll probably get to 3,000 strikeouts at some point. Um, he will also probably have an ERA below three when he's ready to go in. Um, he's led the MLB in ERA four times. Um, he led the National League in strikeouts three times. Um, he led MLB in strikeouts per nine once too. So he really had the strikeout numbers were insane for him. Um, he was a three-time Cy Young Award winner. And a lot of people forget this. He also won an MVP. <coughs> which is pretty crazy for a pitcher. Um, you really don't see pitchers. I think he probably actually was the last pitcher to win an MVP. Um, so Kershaw was a stud. Um, he was an eight-time All-Star. He is a stud. He's an eight-time All-Star. He's won a gold glove once, too. So he really knows. He knows how to pick it out there in the pitcher's mound. Um, and he also has a World Series championship. Obviously, he won with the Dodgers in 2020. Uh, anyone who tells you that Clayton Kershaw isn't a Hall of Famer hasn't watched any baseball in the past 15 seasons because Clayton Kershaw has been one of the top five pitchers in the league, if not the top pitcher in the league for the past 15 years. So uh, when he's dominant, he's insanely dominant. And we've also seen, I know we've seen some hiccups in the playoffs, but in 2020, he kind of redeemed himself there. Um, and who knows where he's going to end up. I really don't see him retiring. Um, I think to him personally, he would love to win another world series. Number one, but number two, I think he wants to kind of get those like benchmarks. He wants to get to that 3000 strikeouts. Um, he wants to get into the hall of fame with an ERA below three. Uh, and he averages 28 starts per season. So even though he's gotten hurt sometimes, that's still a decent amount of starts per season. That's way better than some other guys. Uh, so if he, gets 28 starts per season the next four or five years. Maybe he'll even get some more seasons in him. Um, he'll easily get those counting stats up to where the benchmark kind of is. So um, Clayton Kershaw, definitely going to be a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Um, then I'm going to move on to number three here. <clears throat> um, number three is Justin Verlander. Um Verlander is 38 years old, so he's actually quite a bit older than Kershaw. Um, he's entering his 17th MLB season, so he's played two more years than Kershaw. Um, his career, he's got a 3.33 ERA. Uh, he has over 3,000 strikeouts already. Um, so he also already eclipsed 200 wins. Uh, not that people really look at wins losses anymore, but I think it's still relevant in the sense that they were out there giving their team an opportunity to win. Um, he led the American League in ERA once. Um, he led MLB in whip three times. He was a 2006 American League Rookie of the Year. That was back with the Tigers. Um, he was a two-time Cy Young Award winner. Um, one was with the Tigers, and one was with the Astros. I think back in 2019, he won it with the Astros. Uh, he was also an MVP as a pitcher as well. I don't know if his was before or after Kershaw's was, but um, – <clears throat> I think these were both the last two guys to really do that. Um, and even though Verlander is coming off the Tommy John surgery, um, he's averages 32 starts per season. So obviously he probably won't get 32 starts this year. Um, 
the Astros might be a little careful with him. Um, <clears throat> we'll see. I don't know. He's kind of been rehabbing a lot. He looked good in the showcases. Um, it would obviously be pretty helpful if spring training would start on time. That way he could build up and be ready for the season. But he's probably doing that on his own. Um, and obviously, too, Verlander did finally get the World Series in 2017 with the Astros. Got traded over. This was probably, I think this was the last season of the waiver trade deadline in 2017, where he came over on August 31st at about 11.59 p.m., right before the deadline. And um, <clears throat> on the pitching side, he was a really big reason why the Astros did what they did. Obviously, there was the whole scandal with the hitters, but without the pitchers, they wouldn't have won. So, um, and the pitchers really had nothing to do with that. So, Verlander, um, great career. Uh, he's probably going to be helping the Astros win the American League West this season, um, unless some other teams bounce on top, but we'll see. Um, Verlander's probably got another two or three years in him, if not more than that. I mean, who knows what he's going to look like after this Tommy John and stuff, but uh, in my opinion, he's probably got a lot more a lot more years to go, maybe three or four, maybe more than that, so we'll have to wait and see. Um Number two, I got Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is 36 years old. He's entering his 15th season. Um, he career, he's got a 316 ERA. He also has over 3,000 strikeouts. Um, and he averages like 11 strikeouts per nine per season. So that's actually the most out of Kershaw and Verlander. So he's probably still going to keep going. He's with the Mets now. Um, if you think he's not going to get better pitching next to Jacob DeGrom every day, I'd think again, because he's going to get way better than he was uh, somehow, because he's obviously been one of the best pitchers of our generation. He's going to get to 200 wins this season. He needs 10 more to get there. Um, he led the National League in strikeouts three times and in whip twice, three times Cy Young Award winner. Um, he was an eight-time All-Star, and he also did get the World Series championship. He was 29, 2019 World Series championship with Washington. Um he averages 29 starts per season. So, you know, he's going to get to 200 wins. He's already got 3,000 strikeouts. This guy's pretty much just getting his counting stats up, just like the other two are. Um, and obviously, he would love to get another World Series. The Mets are really making a push. Uh, they're obviously signing a ton of guys. They're really getting into this. So um, I think Max Scherzer is a surefire Hall of Famer at this point. Um, his stats are there. Um I think Max is going to have some stuff to say if he didn't get into the Hall of Fame to some of these writers. So uh, he's definitely getting in. Number one for me, though, <clears throat> is uh, Miguel Cabrera. Um, Cabrera is 38 years old, and he's entering his 20th MLB season. Um, <clears throat> so for his career, Cabrera has a batting average over 300. He has 502 home runs right now. Um, he has a career 920 OPS. Right now, he has 2,987 hits. So, obviously, this season, he's going to get to 3,000 hits. He only needs 13 more. Um, he already eclipsed the 500 homer mark. If he plays for another, who knows how much longer he's going to play, but there's potentially a chance that he gets to 600. Probably more likely that he'll get above 550. Not that it really matters. Um, he's going to get into the Hall of Fame no matter what. <clears throat> he led the league in batting average three times. <laughs> He led the league in doubles once. Uh, he led the league in RBIs twice, on base percentage twice, selecting once, and OPS twice. Uh, he also won the Triple Crown in 2012. Um, he was a seven-time Silver Slugger. 
Uh, he was an 11-time All-Star, two-time MVP candidate, uh, two-time MVP award winner. I think those were both with Detroit. Um, and Mickey has also gotten the World Series way back in 2003, which I believe was his rookie season. He won the World Series with the Marlins. That was against uh, the Indians, I think. So actually, I don't. I might have been the Indians. I don't remember who it was. Um, but he averages 141 games played. Um, so obviously, year in and year out now, He's not putting like the same stats out there as he used to, but he's going to get to 3000 hits this season. Um, I don't know how many years he has remaining on his contract. I think it's like two or three. Um, so he'll get there easily. Um, he's just going to keep racking up the home runs. He's going to get into the hall of fame with a batting average above 300. His OPS is going to be above 900. Um, he's potentially, he's got a shot at 2000 RBIs. He's at 1,804. So need about 200 more but i think we've seen stranger things happen in that so uh miggy is my top guy he's definitely going to get into the hall of fame but you know the last four guys on my list are easily hall of famers if not the last five trout's definitely in um so this is pretty much my list of my top 10 uh obviously there are guys that i missed that are probably going to be hall of famers too um but at, at this point, these are my top 10 guys that are most likely to get in that are still currently playing um, and for several different reasons for each guy. But, um, you know, we just had all the Hall of Fame stuff happen where the steroid guys didn't get in. Uh, Big Poppy was the only one. I, I don't I, I like how Big Poppy's going to have this ceremony to himself. It's going to be pretty cool for him because uh, he's just the type of guy that would like to do that. But um, it's better when there's a few guys there, you know, they get to enjoy it together. So um, hopefully when these guys do get in, there's uh, maybe even some teammates getting in at the same time, Miggy Verlander Scherzer, same year would be pretty cool uh, stuff like that. So uh, we'll have to wait and see, but um, yeah, that's my list of top 10 guys right now. We're going to be in the hall of fame. So, um, so moving on, I'm going to go, into the category we've kind of been doing every week now because there's not really much to talk about uh, in current news. Um, rosters of recent memory that should have won more than they did. Um, so I'm going to go with the 2019 Minnesota Twins. Um, they finished 101 and 61. So I'm not really talking their regular season here. Um, I'm talking about their, they should have probably gone deeper in the playoffs this season. Um, they lost in the ALDS to the Yankees in three games. That was when uh, the Yankees swept them. And ended up losing to the Astros in the uh, ALCS yet again. Um, but if you look at their lineup that year, the Bomba squad, man, they were uh, – it was actually something really special. We didn't really realize what we were seeing, I don't think, at the time. I don't know if that's going to happen again. Obviously, we've seen the juice ball scenario back in that – during these seasons, so we don't really know how much that affected it. But um, if you look at their – Lineup, it was Max Kepler was leading off most of the time. He had 36 homers, 90 RBIs, 855 OPS. Then you had Jorge Polanco, usually hit second, 22 homers, 79 RBIs, 841 OPS. Then you had Nelson Cruz, who hit above 300, plus he had 41 homers, plus he had over 100 RBIs, and he had an OPS above 1,000, about above 1.0, 1,000. Um, then you had Eddie Rosario. Uh, Eddie Rosario hit 32 homers, had 109 RBIs. Uh, that led the team. So he led the team in RBIs that season. He had an OPS of 800. 
Um, then you had Mitch Garver, who really broke out this season in like a huge way. Um, the catcher over there. Uh, in 93 games, he had 31 homers and a 995 OPS. Uh, so that was pretty nuts in only 93 games. Then you have Miguel Sano, who had 34 homers this season, 923 OPS. CJ Crone was the everyday first baseman here this season. He had 25 bombs, uh, 780 OPS. Then you had Jonathan Scope, uh, was the everyday second baseman most of the time. Uh, 23 homers, 777 OPS. Um, Byron Buxton missed a about half the season this season, he played 87 games, um, but he had an 827 OPS. He had 10 home runs and 14 stolen bases. Um, so, man, if you look at this team, they didn't have a guy that had an OPS below 777. Um, and most of the guys had an OPS way above 800, like Kepler, Polanco, Cruz, uh, Rosario, Garver, Sano, and Buxton all had OPS above 800. Um, pretty insane if you think about it. Um, what I actually forgot about this season until I was looking into it was that they didn't even have Josh Donaldson at the time. This was the year that Josh Donaldson played for the Braves. Um, so they were putting up insane home run numbers like this without even having uh, the bringer of rain there. Um, Cruz had over 40 homers, like I said, but most guys had at least 25. Most guys had above 30. I mean, that's just pretty remarkable. You really didn't see that a lot last year with any teams. Um, again, you can look at the juice ball scenario all you want, but this team was really special to watch and they really probably should have made it farther in the playoffs that season. Um, and if you look at their pitching, this was, you know, their, their starting pitching was probably the biggest problem. Um, they, for, they had Jose Barrios at the top. He started 32 games there. He had a 3.680 ERA, 195 strikeouts. So, I mean, that's pretty much ace numbers from uh, from a guy. Maybe you want his ERA to be a little bit lower, but he was pretty solid that season. Excuse me. Um, then right behind him, you had Jake Odorizzi, who pitched in 30 games. Uh, he had a 3.51 ERA, 178 strikeouts. So those two guys, pretty solid, um, pretty good seasons. Uh, those are also two guys, you know, I know they kind of, fumbled a little bit in the, in the playoffs but those are two guys you know after those seasons that they had I'd be pretty confident going into any series obviously they didn't really have it against the Yankees but um, then you had Michael Pineda who uh, 26 starts he had a 4.01 ERA so pretty average there uh, Kyle Gibson had a 4.84 uh, not really too good and then you had Martin Perez had an ERA above five so um, those guys in the playoffs, obviously you can't really count on the last two, maybe even Pineda is a little iffy to count on. Um, but if you look at their bullpen, um, they, they use their bullpen a ton after their starters kind of got lit up in that, in that ALDS. Um, but they had Taylor Rogers who had 30 saves that season. Then you had Trevor May who had a two nine four ERA, um, Tyler Duffy had a two five zero ERA. Um, you had Ryan Little had a three eight one, and then Zach Little, I mean Ryan Harper had a three eight one. Zach Little had a two six eight ERA. So um, these guys all, their top five guys all had ERAs below four. Uh, four out of five of these guys had ERAs below three. So their bullpen was clearly not the issue. Um, their bullpen kind of let them down a little bit in the in the series against the Yanks as well, but. Um, if you look at their bench, um, they had Marty, Marwin Gonzalez, um, uh, 
Gonzalez had 15 homers this season, 55 RBI. So he played a decent amount. I believe this is when Buxton was uh, was injured. Uh, you had Luis Arise, who kind of started to play some second base a little bit when Scope struggled sometimes, but he had an 838 OPS and an above 300 batting average in 92 games. Um, they had a few other guys like Adrianza, uh, Jake Cave, Jason Castro all had OPSs above 765. Uh, Castro had 13 homers as the backup catcher. So obviously Garver had his kind of had his hands on the wheel this season, but, um, Castro contributed when he played. So, but again, if, if you look at the ALDS stats against the Yankees, their offense, they had 101 at bats, 218 batting average, four homers, seven RBIs, 697 OPS, only one stolen base and seven runs scored. So in the three games, they only scored seven runs. Um, their starters over 11 innings pitched had an ERA close to eight. Uh, that's not going to really work in the playoffs. Uh, only 11 strikeouts over 11 innings pitched too. Not very good. Um, and their bullpen had 12.6 innings pitched. They had an ERA right around 14 and they only had 16 strikeouts and they had a whip close to 2.0. So, uh, obviously those stats are a little bit inflated because guys may have only had like a third of an inning pitched or something like that. Um, but regardless, you're not going to beat an offense like the Yankees had that season with a pitching staff like that. Obviously, the Twins had the best offense in the league, but I believe the Yankees were only off pace with the home runs that season by about 10, maybe not even. Um, they were pretty close also. That was the year of labor hit like 38. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys really break out and hit a ton of homers that season. So if the twins would have made it past the Yankees, maybe their pitching had been a little bit better in the playoffs. I feel like things definitely would have gone differently in Minnesota. Um, honestly, I, I'm not saying this to be a, a Dick Yankees fan or anything, but they really need to make the playoffs and, and not play the Yanks. Um, obviously during the shortened season, they made the playoffs and the Astros swept them in that three game wildcard series. But um, that was a shortened season. So I don't really look at that. I look at that with a grain of salt. Um, I think that the twins, I don't know what, I don't really know what, where they're going now. Um, I don't know if they're going into a rebuild. They obviously traded Cruz last year, but they still have a lot of pieces. They have Kepler, they have Donaldson, Polanco. Um, they have an okay pitching staff. I, I don't think it's time for them to go full rebuild. They have Miguel Sano. I mean, they got, a, they got some guys. They just locked in Byron Buxton for a hundred million dollars. Um, so I don't think they're going to go into full rebuild but that division is kind of open. Um, we're going to see Detroit start to do some things. Um, you know, we'll see. But <clears throat> I think that the Twins really just got to kind of get the Yankees out of their way in the playoffs somehow. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, this this year alone, they probably would have gone way farther in the playoffs if they had beaten the Yankees. Maybe their pitching had been a little bit better. So <clears throat> this is going to be a season that Twins fans think about a lot. But, um those home run numbers they put up during the regular season were just astronomical. I really don't know if we're ever going to see that total by one team in one season ever again. Uh, so moving on now from the 2019 twins, uh, I'm going to talk about, we're going to, going to give you a list right here of my best 10 remaining free agents um, and where their landing spots are going to be and how much their contracts are going to be worth. So uh, at number 10, I'm, my list is probably going to be a little bit different than some other guys, but I think some guys showed up in the playoffs that got themselves onto this list, uh, especially for the Braves. So at number 10, um, <clears throat> I got Eddie Rosario. Um, 
And I got Eddie Rosario going to the Padres for three seasons. Uh, I don't really know money-wise amounts. I'm just giving you like the amount of time. <clears throat> I think Eddie Rosario would be a great fit with San Diego. Obviously, Carlos, uh, no, Tommy Pham uh, is not going to be there anymore. And their outfield is now going to be Myers, <clears throat> Grisham, and then they would have Profar as the everyday left fielder at this point. Um, I think you plug Rosario in at left field there. He's a fire plug. He would fit great with Tatis, Machado, um, Hosmer. <clears throat> I mean, he would fit great with that whole clubhouse there. And I think Bob Melvin is going to be a great influence over there. So I think Eddie Rosario would be a great fit in San Diego. Um, number nine, I got Carlos Rodon as uh, and I got Rodon going to the Angels for three seasons. Um, I think the Angels have kind of made some strides with their pitching staff. Obviously, they signed Syndergaard. Um, they have Otani. Um, you know, they're kind of getting the pieces together to kind of get that pitching staff the way we've kind of wanted it. If Dylan Bundy can bounce back, that's another guy. Um, Carlos Rodon obviously broke out last year. He's always kind of been okay. He could get injured. Um, but you saw how passionate he was with the White Sox last season. I think the White Sox kind of have a good amount of pitching where they don't necessarily need to re-sign him because I think he's going to make a lot more money than he did last year. Um, so I think he would be a great fit with the Angels. And, you know, if he gets hurt, this is kind of like the Angels type of deal, to be honest. They usually sign guys that are on the fence here. They might end up really great. They might not. So uh, we'll we'll see. But I think Rodon would be a great fit with uh, Anaheim. Um, so moving on, I got Jorge Soler as my number eight free agent. Uh, like I said before, he was the World Series MVP uh, in 2021. I think he would be a great fit with the Brewers. Um, obviously, the Brewers lost Avisayo Garcia to the Marlins. Um, so now they kind of have an opening in right field. That's where Soler has primarily played if he hasn't been at DH. Uh, but he was obviously on the Braves for the second half of the season, never really got to DH. So um, you really only TH'd in the World Series, actually. But, um, yeah, I think he's going to go to the Brewers for two years. Um, I think teams are going to be a little bit lenient signing him because he kind of had a bad season last year with Kansas City, but it was a shortened season. Then he had a kind of iffy first half, too, this year. But we saw what he did in the playoffs and with the second half with Atlanta. I mean, he, he was on fire. So he was also the American League home run leader back in um, – 2019 so i think that they may be get him on a cheap deal he would fit great with the brewers that small ballpark um might as well go for it there so moving on to number seven uh number seven i'm going with nicholas castellanos um i think castellanos is going to sign with the marlins actually so i think that he's going to go to the marlins for five years um, I think that the Marlins outfield will look a lot different this year than it did last year. I think they'll have Castellanos out there and they'll also have Garcia on the corners. Um, I think that this would be a great fit. Uh, he's from the Miami area. Uh, I think he went to Cincinnati, didn't really work out. So now I think he's going to kind of want to go where he's comfortable. Um, the Marlins are obviously on the verge of kind of breaking through here and made the playoffs during the shortened season. Last year was kind of a wash for them. Um, but they just uh, extended Miguel Rojas, pretty much their captain over there. You got an insanely great pitching staff. Um, Sandy Alcantara, Sixto, uh, Pablo Lopez, Alicia Hernandez, Taylor, Tyler Rod, uh, Rogers is the guy who was a rookie last season. Um, so I think that they're all kind of on the brink here of breaking out 
Um, and I think that Castellanos would be a great fit there. Uh, number six, um, I'm going to go with Clayton Kershaw. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cave here and I'm going to say he's going to the Rangers, uh, for three years, I would say he's going to go to the Rangers. Um, they've already been making a ton of moves. Obviously they got Seager ex teammate with the Dodgers going to really campaign to him to come over to Texas. They obviously signed Simeon. Uh, they signed John Gray. Um, they also signed Cole Calhoun. They kind of went on a little bit of spree there right before the lockout. Um, their pitching staff is an issue. They got Gray, which makes it better. Um, now they're going to make it even better by adding Kershaw. Um, I think he's from the Texas area, just like Castellanos is from the Miami area. He's from about an hour away from the stadium, I believe. Um I think Kershaw has kind of cemented himself in L.A. lore as one of the best pitchers ever. Um, and it might be nice for him to kind of go back home, um, let his kids grow up where he grew up, uh, and maybe get a World Series with the Rangers, too, with your uh, team you've grown up loving. So I think that would be a great fit. Um, again, I could just as easily see him going back to L.A., but uh, it would be kind of cool to see him go to Texas. Um, my number five free agent, I got Kyle Schwarber. Um, obviously, he had that insane stretch down the run with the Washington nationals before he got hurt. Um, then he got traded to Boston and did pretty well. He also did pretty well in the playoffs for the Red Sox this season too. Um, so I think he's going to go to the giants. Um, I think he's going to go to the giants for four years. I don't know exactly where they're going to put him. I don't know if they'd put him in the outfield. They might, cause he didn't do terrible in the outfield last year with Washington, but then you saw him kind of play some first base with the Red Sox. Um, so he could potentially play some first, uh, Brandon belt is a free agent. So that opens up a spot there. Plus there might be a universal DH. So they may not even have to worry about that. They might just plug him in at DH. Um, but his big left-handed bat. I think that he would hit a lot of those balls into the cove out there. Um, so I think he would be a great fit for San Francisco. Um, number four, I'm going with a guy who actually got traded to San Francisco last season, uh, Chris Bryant. Um, so I think Chris Bryant is going to go up to Seattle be honest um i think seattle's ready to make a move uh to get a guy with a lot of experience to kind of help these younger guys out um i think he's going to go to seattle for eight seasons that's my prediction um i think he's going to kind of move all over the place um obviously kyle seager just retired so they could easily just plug him in at third but we've seen brian play all over the diamond we've seen him play the outfield we've seen him play first base he's even played a couple games of shortstop um, not that that's going to happen in Seattle, but, um, I think Brian's kind of like calm and collective. I think he would kind of fit well tucked in there up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, but I don't really think the Mariners would be tucked in there much longer. They almost made the playoffs last year. They're just going to continue to get better. They signed Robbie Ray, a young award winner from the American league last year. Um, I think Brian would be a great fit in Seattle, um, just play all over the place and help those young guys out. Um, number three, I'm going with Trevor story. Um, Trevor story, I think in deep in my heart, I think he's going to be a Yankee. Um, I think the Yankees are going to kind of stray away from Correa. I really don't think the fan base would react really well to Correa. Obviously he's a great player, but I think story would be more of a fit. I mean, story is a great defender. Not that Correa is not. But Stories also averages more stolen bases per season than Correa, and that's something we've kind of been missing. Um, we didn't get a ton of stolen bases from just about anybody last year. Um, I think Trevor Story will also come at a cheaper price than Correa. Not that he's that much worse, but, like, I think he's going to be better. 
a better fit for us because we don't – I don't know. I just feel like he would fit more with the guys, the kind of vibe we have right now. Because I also can't see Correa and Aaron Judge playing on the same fucking field together, to be honest with you. And a lot of the guys, Brett Gardner will most likely be back. He always is. I can't see him and Correa being on the same team either. I think Story would be a great fit in New York. He's kind of been a great player in Colorado under the radar. I know it's Colorado, like Arenado. It's like, well, what do you actually think his stats going to be? I know his road stats have been a little bit worse, but with the short porch in right field, his home run stats aren't going to go down that much. Maybe his batting average does, but what are you going to do? I mean, I don't think that's that big of a deal. His OPS will probably still be close to the same. He's always been good at driving in runs. Um, So I think he'd be a great fit in the Bronx. Um, So number two, uh, Freddie Freeman is my number two free agent. Um, and I, I ain't going to say he's going anywhere else. I'm putting Freddie back with the Braves. Uh, he's going back with the Braves for six years. I actually didn't mention, I think Trevor story is going to Yankees for eight seasons, not a big 10 year deal. Um, but back on Freeman, I think Freddie's getting a six year deal. Like I said, he's 31 years old right now. Um, he's going to probably, I think he's going to be 32 by the time the season actually begins. Um, so, you know, I think the Braves adore him. I don't ever see him playing in a different uniform. Um, I think the front office loves him. The fans love him. He loves Atlanta. He just won a World Series. He's not really going to want to go anywhere, I wouldn't I wouldn't think. Uh, I see him going back to the Braves six years. I see him finishing out his career in Atlanta. Um, so I'm not really going to be too special with that one. I just think it's going to be what he does. Um, number one free agent for me is Carlos Correa, just because he's a little bit younger than Story. Um and he has the playoff experience like Freddie Freeman does. Story doesn't have much playoff experience. So Carlos Correa, to me, this is a very interesting case. Uh, I thought he was going to go to the Tigers, to be honest, but they signed Javier Baez. Now, does this necessarily mean they wouldn't sign Correa? I don't think you can move Baez to second. He's played a lot of second base over his career, but I don't think that's their plan. I think that would be two mega deals when the Tigers really aren't that ready to compete. But the Rangers did the same thing with Seager and Simeon. So I wouldn't put it out of the question. However. I think Correa is going to go to the Phillies. Uh, that's probably not a place that a, a lot of people would see him going. However, Didi Gregorius is currently there. I don't think he's a free agent. I think they would have to trade him or something, which they would easily be able to do. Obviously, he's coming off kind of a, a down season, but everyone's going to take a left-handed shortstop with the personality in the clubhouse aura that he brings. But um, I think Correa would fit really well with the Phillies uh, for a few reasons. Number one, Regardless of the cheating stuff, he's got a big personality, and so does Bryce Harper, and so do a few other guys on the Phillies. So I think that they would kind of actually fit and work really well together. Uh, they would have McCutcheon still. I believe McCutcheon's still there. They would have Reese Hoskins, um, Alec Bohm. Um, I think Correa just slots in at the shortstop position in Philadelphia for the next 10 years. Phillies fans, not that they're bad fans or, like, they would side with the Astros and the cheating scandal, but I think they almost somewhat like the bad, the bad guy kind of persona sometimes. And I think that might be just what they need to kind of make that playoff push. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Obviously they've been close in recent years, very close. I mean, it, <clears throat> excuse me. It feels like every season they're going to make it and they don't. So I think Correa would be a great fit in Philadelphia. Um, I think he would really love playing in a big city too. Like, Houston's a big city, but when you're up here in the Northeast, you're really going to be – the fans are going to be on you, and I think he's going to really embrace that. So I see Correa going to Philly. Um, 
So that's my top 10 free agents, it's kind of where they're going to go. Um, who knows if that's actually going to happen? Who knows how soon it's going to happen? Because if this lockout keeps up, uh, I don't see the games going to go at any time soon, unfortunately. But um, now I'm going to move on to a player, like a throwback player from when, when I was growing up. Um, so players who might have forgotten had like a great 10-year stretch here. Um, so I'm actually going to go with Brandon Phillips. Uh, I feel like a lot of people don't really remember how good he actually was at second base. He was mostly – he was with the Reds for these whole 10 years, honestly. I'm going through 2006 through 2015. Uh, he was with the Cincinnati Reds each season. His average stats over these years, he averaged 147 games played. So he's consistently on the field every day, in and out. Um, he averaged a 278 batting average, 18 homers, 79 RBIs, a 753 OPS, and 18 stolen bases. So nothing too special, but those are pretty consistent numbers for a second baseman. This was kind of before second baseman started to become like Robinson Cano, uh, like big power guys, Brian Dozier. Um, this was kind of a little bit before then. Um, his career postseason stats, he only had about nine games in the playoffs, so the Reds weren't there a ton. Um, but in the playoffs, he had a 325 batting average, two homers, eight RBIs, and 892 OPS. Uh, he had one stolen base, and he had only three runs scored. So he was kind of more so the guy that's driving in runs rather than him scoring when he did play in the playoffs. Um, but they hit about 300 over nine playoff games, 892 OPS. I mean, eight RBIs, he averaged about an RBI per playoff game. So that's pretty solid from a, from a guy, second baseman. He was pretty good in the playoffs for the Reds. Um over those 10 seasons, too, he was a silver slugger at second base once. He was a four-time gold glove winner, um, so he could really pick it defensively, too. Uh, he was a three-time all-star. Um, he finished 13th in MVP voting in 2012, and he finished 22nd in MVP voting in 2007. So not really close to the top, but still close enough to really mention. So um, I think Brandon Phillips, a lot of people really forgot how good he was. He played with a lot of swagger out there. He was kind of like one of the first guys to play with like that much swagger, I feel like, since Ken Griffey, since guys like that. There was kind of maybe a little bit of a break in that for a little while. And that kind of led to the, the players that we see today doing that stuff out there. So, um, you know, he was into some bad flips. He was into some stuff like that, um, pimping some homers. So uh, Brandon Phillips was a really solid player. Again, 18 homers per season is not a huge number. But this was really before second baseman started to become power hitters, and he was driving in like 80 runs a season. Um, so that's, he was right in the middle of that Reds lineup for a long time with Votto, Bruce, uh, you know, Adam Dunn, uh, guys like that. He was just right in the middle of everything. Um, so I think that a lot of people forget how good he was, but um, Brandon Phillips really knew how to play some baseball, and he was a really solid player. Um, so... Now we're just going to wrap up with the stat of the week. Um, so I thought this was actually a pretty interesting stat. I, I saw it pop up on Instagram the other day. Um, so there were seven players who were struck out by Nolan Ryan during their career that had sons that played in MLB who were also struck out by Nolan Ryan. So basically there were seven guys that were struck out by him when Nolan Ryan was really young. And then they had kids and their kids made it to the MLB about 20 years later. And then Nolan Ryan was able to strike them out as well. So if you kind of wrap your mind around that stat, it's kind of insane. It really shows you how um, insanely talented a pitcher Nolan Ryan actually was. Um, so, you know, that would be like 
Bryce Harper's kid getting struck out by a really young pitcher that started out at that time too. <laughs> they got to strike them both out. So you really probably won't ever see that again um, with that many players. So I uh, just thought that was pretty interesting. Um, okay. So that's going to do it for us this week. Um, hopefully maybe we'll have spring training starting next week. Uh, although at this point, it really doesn't look like that's going to happen. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but We'll hope for the best here. Um, hopefully, at least they start to talk again. Hopefully, we don't need this mediator nonsense. Um, and hopefully, we get some baseball soon because now is when the fans, I know that you guys, myself, all the fans start to kind of itch for some baseball here. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, they get their shit together, though, and we get some games going soon. So uh, we'll see you guys next week. Keep an eye on things. Hopefully, everyone... Fingers crossed that the game's going to start soon and um, see you guys soon.